Would you open God's precious holy word to Deuteronomy 4? We'll look at verses 1 through 14. As I speak to you about nurturing people who cling to God and his word. Some years ago, there was a particular presidential candidate who said or who referenced in mockery those who cling to their Bibles and their guns. Well, here are God's people, this next generation, the new generation, the generation that really was serious about taking the land and they are admonished to and found to be clinging to God's word. They're still around. (laughs) Those people are. So we're going to look at that now. First 14 verses. Deuteronomy four brings Moses first address to the people to an end. There are three addresses, sermons, lectures, whatever, from Moses to Israel just before they enter the promised land and just before Moses dies. So this ends the first of his addresses. Up to this point, Moses has been inspired to reflect upon the history of of the people of God under his leadership since their exodus and certain things that have happened to them and how God responded and how God's blessings still were always there uh, during that uh, 40 years. He closes out this first section with an admonition to the people for them to remember the importance of God's word in the lives of his people. So we look at it now. Addressing first, faithfulness to the word. First three verses. And now, O Israel, hearken to the statutes and to the judgments. Let's see, what's that called? Uh, It's a word that references two nouns that make up one thought. That's what this is. He's talking, and we'll see this in the context. He's talking about the Torah. He's talking about the law of God. He's talking about what comes together as the five books of Moses. They came from Yahweh through Moses to the people, the statutes and the judgments. So he is calling on the people here to closely listen and observe the law that he taught them, which I teach to you, uh, teach you to do in order that you may live. Okay, so what is the desire? What is the result? What, What do I get out of this? Well, you get life. You get a blessed life. You get a life that tends toward peace and security and strength and uh, prosperity. That's what happens. 
And you see that in the history of God's people, even in the Wednesday night studies that we're doing on Wednesday night, how when a leader, a king brings the people around to where, back to where they need to be, they're having drifted far away from that. During their drift, during their sin, they find trouble and defeat and weakness. But in their obedience, they find peace and strength, prosperity. Well, this is what Moses is. This is what Yahweh is saying through Moses to his people before they go into the land of promise. In order that you may live and go in and possess the land which... Yahweh, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Now, he says something here regarding the Torah. Now, he's just talking about the Torah. At the end of the Bible, the Lord Jesus is talking about the completed canon of Scripture, which the revelation completes. There's nothing to add to the Word of God after the revelation. Where you may recall, Jesus says, don't add to this and don't take away from it. Well, now let's go back to the very first of the five books that are given to us uh, in the order of Scripture, which are the five books of Moses. And it comes in the way that it does, although many people think that Job chronologically predated the writings of Moses because Job lived closer to the time of Abraham than he did to the time of Moses, yet still... Moses gives to us the account of creation, or it starts there. God's uh, dealing with his people starts with creation, and then you'll see the designation of God's people, his calling his people out all the way through Moses, and then how he cares for them uh, in the rest of the books of Moses. So starting there, verse 2, do not add to the word which I command you. Now, that doesn't mean that the law of Moses cannot be added to from then on. You know, there were Sadducees and Pharisees and Herodians. The Sadducees didn't believe that any word was inspired but the law of Moses. That's all the Sadducees believed in. They didn't believe in the prophets. They didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in a heaven or a hell. They spent most of their time not believing. But they did accept the Torah, the law of Moses, the books of Moses, as the only Bible that existed. Well, we know for sure that line upon line and precept upon precept and uh, after the law will come, you know, the prophets, the books of history and the books of the prophets, the books of wisdom and so forth. But what he speaks of here is do not add to the word which I command you. In other words, to the books of Moses. There's not another book in the law of Moses after the Torah. There are, of course, scriptures, there are holy scriptures, there are the prophets and so forth. And then, of course, the apostles, the New Testament. But what he's saying here is, when you cross over, this is the only law that you have. You can't make up things, you can't add to the law when you get over there. You know, they've been warned about how they're going to see a way of life that they never knew existed. And it's not good, it's evil. And we, we've already seen how from time to time the fallout of that can be disobedience and even idolatry, which, which such sin brings destruction 
uh, to the people of God. Well, he's saying to them, you cannot add to this and you cannot diminish from it. There are always, though, we talked about false prophets this morning. There are always those who want to uh, add to the word of God, put something in there or take something away from it. We talked about today, this morning, uh, how the modern, the, the, the neo-modernism thinks that religiously uh, the world has to be warned against the Christian scriptures because it presents a, a standard of living that simply is outdated, just doesn't exist today. There are a lot of so-called churches that preach that and teach that. It's a lot of so-called pastors and ministers. I read about them all the time. I read their works all the time. And it's interesting to me that it doesn't matter what denomination they came from. They all are following the same drift, of course, which is demonic. It's inspired by darkness. So Moses is saying the law is the law. And you're, you're headed into a, 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 a culture and a bevy of nations that are going to despise the law. They're going to despise you. They're going, and you're going to feel there'll be times when people are going to feel like, well, you know, maybe we need to add to the law thus and so. No, don't do that. Or maybe we need to adjust the law because that seems a little harsh. Nope, can't do that. Here's what he says. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. That you may observe the commandments of Yahweh your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what Yahweh did at Baal Peor. For every man who, after, uh, who went after Baal Peor, uh, Yahweh your God has exterminated from your midst. Now that's what, back in Numbers 23 or so? This is when Balaam, remember him? The, the, the prophet from Balach, the king of Moab, and he... Uh, he was forbidden by Yahweh from cursing the people. But he had counsel that he could give that would, in a, in a roundabout way, would bring a curse. And so, you know, he said, bring in those pretty women from Moab and Midian and let them dance around in front of the Israelite men and just see what happens. And that's what happened. They, they, they fell for these Moabite and Midianite women who carried them into idolatry, which created a terrible problem among the people of Israel. God intervened. 24,000 Israelites, they died just like that. God killed them. This was the event at Baal Peor because they did not follow the Torah, the law of Moses, the law of God that came through Moses to the people. So the people here thinking of God and his word are also called upon to remember how God responds to those who hold lightly his word and do not obey it. Uh, so the next point would be clinging to God and his word. How the people are to do that, how they did it. Let's look at verses four through six. But you who cleave to Yahweh your God are alive. All of you this day, think about that. Here's what Moses is saying. Many of you had parents who, who died at an age generally considered at an earlier age than when they would have died normally, but they're dead and you're not. 
and they're dead because they did not cleave to the word of Yahweh. They died. That generation is gone. And their sin is an example to you and how you should treat the word of God and how you should be obedient to the word of God are powerfully presented to you in, in the lost lives of an earlier generation, but you are still alive because you did not come under that summary judgment of Yahweh and you're alive this day. So Moses is saying, this proves the importance of God's people cleaving, clinging to Yahweh, their God, including carefully following the Torah, the law, the statutes and the ordinances, the judgments. Verse five, behold, I have taught you statutes and ordinances as Yahweh my God commanded me to do so in the midst of the land which you're coming to possess. And you shall keep them and do them for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the eyes of the peoples, the nations who will hear all these statutes and say, only this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Now this is a powerful point that is made in the scriptures. The people of God, which of course today would include the church as well. The people of God who carefully guard, protect, and follow and keep the word of God exude a wisdom and an understanding that the nations will see. This is what he's saying to Israel. All the other nations are going to see how unique you are. And in the course of time, will discover your understanding and your wisdom as it's demonstrated because understanding and wisdom starts with God. He is, he's the beginning of wisdom and understanding. So the people of God who have the word of God, who cleave to the word of God, are those who are making a statement to the rest of the world. And it doesn't matter what the world throws at them. And it doesn't matter how the rest of the world will doubt that word or try to cause the people of God to doubt that word. They will not doubt that word and they will stand strong. And the principles by which they left, God doesn't give his people principles to weaken them. He didn't give the law to Israel, his people in this day. And those particular things, you know, about about, uh, well, leprosy in your clothing or in your house or what, just little small, the particular things and what to eat, what not to eat. The other nations didn't have that. God did it, however, to his people to make other people realize that these people are unique and God has given them these ordinances in order to strengthen them, not to weaken them, not to make, not to make them smaller and weaker in, in among the other nations, but to make them greater and stronger in the midst of the other nations. So he, he commanded you, uh, I have taught you statutes and ordinances as Yahweh my God commanded me to do so in the midst of the land. You keep them and they will say only this great nation is a wise and understanding people. You know, Truth is always stronger than fiction. Fables, 
myths, fairy tales. These things are fiction, but they're not stronger than truth. Now, perception sometimes can be stronger than reality, it seems, in the lives and eyes of some. But in the longer course of time, truth trumps fables and, and myths and fairy tales and fictitious things. Fictious, fiction, fictitious things will collapse, dissolve, and disappear in the course of time when standing before the strength and light of absolute truth. The word of God is its own example. I have volumes of books on history that throughout those historical accounts point out how different great world powers have tried to stamp out the word of God and, and even the people of God, but it never has happened. Science textbooks from one generation to the next are outdated. I, I taught business uh, in a business college, in, well, in a, in a college that had a business degree and the principles of business we're always changing. The textbook from one year to the next or from maybe from a two-year period to the next, always having to be uh, upgraded and updated because, you know, what was being stated as sound principles of business in one era of life wasn't necessarily the same, necessarily the same thing and perhaps didn't apply across the board. It's interesting to note how all of these things in life change. Textbooks are different. My understanding is that even mathematics in some degree are trying to change, I don't know. But certainly scientific textbooks are never the same from one, really from one year to the next. But the word of God has never changed. It has, it has stood there and all of these other textbooks, many of which stand, try to stand as a witness and testament against the word of God, collapse and fall. They're not there anymore. The word of God is still there. Well, from one generation to the next, God has sworn by himself that he will always have his people always there. And those people who are his people have the same high regard for his word from generation to generation, regardless of what so-called modern uh, knowledge and education uh, may raise up and hold as highly esteemed, it never outlives the scriptures. And it won't. God is guaranteed that it won't. And this is what keeps God's people well-adjusted and responsible and strong from one generation to the next. Now that becomes an impact for missionary work, if you think about it. Just, just our attitude toward the word of God, our obedience to it, and, and what results in our lives, that's, that's missions. That's missionary work. Look at this. And you shall keep them and do them. For that is your witness and your understanding in the eyes of the peoples. 
who will hear all these statutes and, st- and say, only this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has Elohim so near to it, the true God, as Yahweh, your God, is at all times, our God, that is at all times that we call upon him. And which nation is it that has just statutes? The standard of righteousness in the Bible never changes. I talked about that disclaimer that was shown before gun smoke, you know. We have to, we have a, we have to give a disclaimer because this is a way of life that, that you know, just too strict for us today. They had, see, man's standard of righteousness is always in flux. It's always changing. There are things acceptable today that were abhorrent 20, 30 years ago. Unthinkable. And now the opposite is true. It's unthinkable if you don't accept those things. But what the word of God says about those things never changes. It's always the same. So this is what he means when he says such, such a great nation as Israel with regard to the Torah has just statutes and ordinances. Their law always the same. Their law cannot be forced uh, to meet the, the flow of the times. Doesn't work that way with the people of God because the word of God always stands. It, it never withers or passes away and the standard of righteousness that is given in the scriptures never changes. This is what he's saying here. What great nation is there that has just statutes, righteous God's righteousness, statutes and ordinances as this entire Torah, book of Moses, law of Moses, which I set before you this day. What he says in verse eight implies that the justice and the righteousness presented, which never changes in the law of Moses, makes the nation who follows that law a great nation. Now, in closing in these uh, last verses, he talks about how the people of God will, will reverence what God has done. But beware and watch yourself very well, lest you forget the things that your eyes saw. You see, these, they're still alive. They saw a lot of what happened in those 40 years. And lest these things depart from your heart all the days of your life and you shall make them known to your children and to your children's children. We know the tendency of humanity to forget the impactful things of life. You remember 9-11, America swore and vowed and all this stuff. Things wouldn't happen. You remember, well, the, what was World War I, the war to end all wars? We're not going to let this happen again. It's beyond us. We can't handle that. We can't control such things as wars and rumors of wars. That's in the hand of God, and Christ claimed it when he said there would always be wars and rumors of wars. It is the tendency, however, 
of people to be short-sighted and their memories don't last of the horrific and impactful things that happen. Even in the, even in the war in Israel today, what has been proven to be savagery that came against innocent Israelis is already forgotten. And, and, and the world clamors for Israel to stop what it's doing when all they're trying to do is to keep that from happening again. The pictures of beheaded babies and babies thrown into ovens and cooked while they were alive and, and the women so mistreated. I saw a report yesterday where there was a section of a place in that hospital that was designated just for the systematic mistreatment of women, Israeli women, just continual. All the, this, they, they designated a place. So they have the savagery. And yet, and yet there are thousands upon thousands of people who are marching against the people who are trying to defend. How, how long does it take for us to forget the horrific things? Well, this is what we're warned against here. This is what Israel is warned against. Watch yourself, lest you forget the things that your eyes saw. Lest these things depart from your heart all the days of your life. Be sure to teach them to your children and to your grandchildren that they will always know the acts, the righteous acts of God. The day you stood before Yahweh your God at Horeb, when Yahweh said to me, assemble the people for me and I will let them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. And you approached and stood at the foot of the mountain and the mountain burned with fire up to the midst of the heavens with darkness, a cloud and opaque darkness. And Yahweh spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no image, just a voice. And he told you his covenant, which he commanded you to do, the 10 commandments, and he inscribed them on two stone tablets. And Yahweh commanded me at that time to teach you the statutes and the ordinances so that you should do them in the land to which you are crossing to possess. Who could, who could forget the, uh, the obvious presence of the most high God? Who could forget stone tablets on which the very finger of God had inscribed the Ten Commandments and the warning, the mandate that came forth that said, obey this when you get to the land that you are to possess. Who could forget that? This is what Moses is saying to this new generation. How could you forget? You were there. You were young, but you were there. You saw these things and you were charged to be sure to cling to the word of God. We will stop there and we'll pick up there, God willing, next time. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, what it means to us. Oh God, we pray that you'll teach us to hide your word in our hearts, that we may not sin against you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.